Welcome to the Motivational Firewood Radio Show, hosted by keynote speaker, author, and vision board mastery creator, Steve Gamlin. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey there, my friend, Steve Gamlin here. Welcome to the Motivational Firewood episode. I've got a guest today where he's he's like a brother from another mother, but it's a mother with a different accent. This guy's all the way over in the UK. And if you've been listening long enough, you know, I've got a regular weekly show on a radio station over there. So it is an absolute joy for me to talk today with Mr. Brad Burton. Now, Brad is a hugely successful guy. Brad has uh, the most five-star ratings and reviews on Amazon. He is their highest rated. Brad does not come from uh, the royal upbringing. He did not have a gold nugget up his butt when he was born. And he's one of those people that I love to talk with and hear from because he started with nothing and he built something. And he continues as a speaker. He talks about high performance, mindset, motivation, sales, resilience, and mental strength. All the things that I actually believe are the most important cogs in the wheel in the machine. So we'll get to a whole bunch of stuff today. Brad Burton, welcome to the Motivational Firewood Radio Show. Stevie, baby. Yes, mate. We are doing it. A special relationship in Jaws. UK, US. Let's go. Yes, yes. Five hours apart, but you know what? On the same planet, and that's good enough for me. So uh, tell me a little Brad, bit, Brad, about where you started. You know, we hear so many of these people that are hugely successful now, and basically they were born into it. But I love the scrappy doers, the dreamers who actually get off their butts and create something. And even when life kicks them a bit, they just kick back. So tell me a little bit about how you started out and uh, where you really feel you caught your first break and created that thing. Great question. So first and foremost, I think there's two versions of me. I think there's two versions of everyone. There's a good version and there's a not so good version. The one that sits before you today is the good version. Let me tell you a little bit about the not so good version. Uh, I was born in 1973. I look 50 years old and I look younger, Steve, thanks. Um, But, you know, I was born in 1973. My dad left when I was six months old. I left school with no qualifications. Mum brought me up as a single parent. I... um, I got addicted to drugs twice. You got to work really hard to get addicted twice. I got shot at when I was 21 years old. I've done four years on benefits, social services over in the UK. And, um, oh, yeah, uh, I left school with no qualifications and I delivered pizza at 31. So that's one side of me. The other side of me is I'm Brad Burton, the UK's number one motivational business speaker, the four-time best-selling author, the founder of Four Network and the UK's largest joined-up business network before the pandemic. Um, you know, look, the reality is there's two sides of us. And over the, the last 19 years, I've fought, and it is the biggest fight of your life, as to which version of you that you become. Uh, and I now believe that I am the good, better version of me. And where I got my break, I think, was um, I was working for a company when I was about 30. And I remember working late, um, over in London, I remember driving home one day to my digs. I lived 200 miles away. And I remember um, driving past a guy going in a, in a house with a BMW or a Mercedes with electric gates. I thought to myself, I could work 80-hour weeks for this company and I'll still never be able to afford the frigging gates. And it was like, boom. Everything changed for me at that moment when I realised, what well, about What's going to, to to change unless I change something? And that was it. I decided to tell my employer, I think two days after, to shove the job up the backside. 
Um, and I think the crucial point was, which we talked about, about getting off your ass. I actually, my book, my first book is called Get Off Your Ass. And it was, that's exactly what I had to do. I had to throw caution to the wind. I had to get rid of the safety net. And I went for it. I started a business. My wife, who's still my wife, and she's downstairs. Um, you know, she cried and said she didn't want me to start a business up. And, you know, and I had to turn down the volume of those tears and those fears and start a business up. And that's exactly what I did. Wow. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of people, they say, they say, you know, I had that moment and then I asked them, so what'd you do about it? And some people just say, um, well, I didn't know what to do. I just, but I had that moment, (laughs) you know, and over here in Hollywood, of course, you know, they glorify everything (laughs) and you have that moment where the, the person in the story is going through the tough times, the tough times, the tough times. Now here's what Hollywood does because they got to get this whole thing in under, you know, two hours and 18 minutes. You know, you have that moment, you drive past the gates and all of a sudden, you know, the clouds part, the angels go, ah, and Brad, the rest of Brad's life is all set. So now you've got the tears, you've got the fears, you've got no job because you told the boss to shove it. And what did you do? I mean, what are the first steps you went through? Because it's so easy to broad brush it and say, you know, Brad went from, you know, zero to hero. What, what were the early days of that life? There's no zero to hero in this, I promise you. So I've been in, so that was uh, 2004, December the 16th, I think, or t- December the 18th. There you go, December the 18th, 2004. I told my employer to shove the job up the backside, walked out on a point of principle. And I'm telling you something, Steve, it was a wonderfully liberating experience. It really was for those three hours whilst I drove home. I'm married and I've arrived home and I'm outside the door going, shit, shit, shit. And my blood's gone cold. I've opened the door, standing before me was eight and a half stone. Uh, or, or 75, 56 kilo, there you go, for the US, 56 kilo of common sense. My wife says to me, you're home early, you're here to look after baby Ben. That's one way to look at it, Kerry. The other way is I told my employer to shove the job up their ass. What do you think, Steve? My supportive wife said, he said, you're an idiot. Why couldn't you keep your mouth shut for five for five days and get your Christmas pay? She had a point. Anyway, I started my own business, my own marketing business. And um, it was tough. It was tough. But the great thing about getting rid of a safety net is that you have to make things work. There was no plan B. There was no plan B. I had no option. So I set up a marketing firm uh, and I did okay. First year, 35,000 US dollars, roughly. Second year, 70,000 US, something like that. And that was the point when I started on this network and I went hang about. There has to be a way of networking. Steve, can I ask you, have you ever been to a networking event? I was actually for 10 years part of uh, a networking organization called BNI, Business Network okay. International. I was a director. Was, I was a, okay. All, so, all levels. Yeah. So they was our staunch um, adversaries that we, we was, we were locked horns with them. I went up against BNI over in the UK <clears throat> and I looked at the BNI and in political terms, you had the loony left where it's quite nice and everyone's, you know, it's all very nice and talking local mayor, talking about parking provision at the, the, the store. And then you had the hardcore, right, where's your leads? Where's your referrals? You have to attend. And I was thinking, where was this mainstream of networking that appealed to people like me, normal people? It never existed. So that's where I came up with the concept of for networking. It was, um, and this is probably one of the crucial things that I, that I kind of did decision. I looked at networking and said, this can be done better. I got a blank piece of paper and I wrote, how can networking be done better? And at BNI, as you well know, you have to have one-to-ones outside of meetings. And I sit there with you, Steve, for an hour. And we talk, we go through, ah, Steve, tell me what an ideal referral is. Steve, tell me, Steve, if I don't like you and you don't like me, it's going nowhere. And actually, I realized something that if the buyer doesn't like the seller, regardless of the rule set, we ain't going to do business. 
we might pretend, ah, yeah, I'm working on some referrals, but the reality is I don't like you, you don't like me, it's going nowhere. So I looked at this and went, hmm, and I came up with a concept for networking, which was three 10-minute one-to-one appointments in group time. So everyone did their 40 seconds. That's what we did. 40 seconds is long enough. And the reason I did 40 seconds is for the very reason I went to B&I, and at 58, 59, 60, somebody couldn't wait to ding the bell. 58, 59, sit down, ding, 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 ding. Yep. And I'm thinking just bad energy straight away. So by doing it 40, we allowed flex. So I looked at the whole networking. I was almost like a pit bull, a pit boss looking at this thing. So we had three 10-minute one-to-ones in group time. So everyone did a 40 seconds. Hi, I'm Brad. I'm a marketing genius with this. That this goes around the table. And then we break for a coffee after everyone's done the 40 seconds. And then I'd come up to you with a business card and say, ah, Steve, can we have a one-to-one, please? And you say, yes, Brad. Number one. And I've written number one on my card. You've written number one. We swap cards. And now you've got two and three. So we did that. And then the other thing that I did, which was groundbreaking in the UK, is we allowed you not to join one chapter, but to join the entire network. So when I first started, it was one group, then two groups. We got up to 250 groups working across the UK. So as a member, you could network morning, afternoon, evening, and so forth. So you could network up to, I did most I ever did was 13 in a week, just to prove the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah 13 for networking meetings in a week. So this was groundbreaking. And, and I think that was the, the turning point, is that I landed on something, that, the Zygeist, the complete antithesis of B&I. And there was a lot of disillusioned people who had been to be an eye, we kind of hoovered them up. <laughs> That's the reality of it. Hey, you know what? See an opportunity, take advantage. And even if you got to shift it a couple degrees and, and, you know, I agree. I had, I had a great experience with BNI, but there's a lot of people who it, they just didn't fit that mold. And right. even if you give them 60 seconds, they say the same 17 seconds every week with zero energy and then wonder why they're not getting, you know, you, you've obviously your energy, um, you know, you're described as humble, hilarious, and human, which I mean, I already, I, I knew that before we even hit record on this show. Um, but see, you're bringing something to it. It's not just all about the rules. It's all about the energy. It's all about the, the, the support, the connection, which is huge. That's right, Steve. And I think that, you know, this is the bit from, I remember that whole thing. If the buyer doesn't like the seller, it's going nowhere. And I thought to myself, you know, the great thing about phone networking is you choose who your referral partners are. So if you don't like that web designer, go to this one. And that's what it was. So you're allowed to build up these, these almost virtual companies. I look back at it now, and, and let me be quite clear, you know, it was a two, $2.5 million business. And then the, the, the pandemic came along, Boris Johnson, Prime Minister, please stay at home, gone. Or pretty much gone overnight, like 95% gone. And it was like, how long is this going to last for? Is it one month, two months, three months? two years in the UK. So, you know, we took it online. We was the first network to go online in the UK, um, the first ever network to take it online. You know, we'd had all our systems and processes, but it wasn't enough to, to maintain that energy. And I described it to somebody. I said, it's a bit like having a an ice cream uh, warehouse full of ice cream and somebody switches your refrigerators off. You know, now you're in the business, not of ice cream, but in buying mops to mop up ice cream that you've now got to throw away. It was a tough old time, tough old time. But I'm glad I've come out the other end of it. And, and I'm also glad, Steve, that, you know, that for networking allowed for me to have this opportunity to create this new life for myself and consequently help other people create theirs. And now as a speaker, I mean, you get to speak to so many different people in so many different companies of all sizes and all different types of events. You've got, because you went through it, and, and you and I have both seen people over the years, you know, they they go cobble together some positive messages, you know, the rah, 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 buy my stuff speakers. You do it from the heart, from the gut, 
talking right like with him. people. I like you, Steve, Steve, Steve. We are, listen, if it doesn't work out in the States, you come over to the UK, you're going to be looked after. We like you, Steve, lots. Well, Go on. I've, I've already been told by the people at Yawa Radio, we love your accent. Come on over here. <laughs> You'll be memorable. But see, you know, we talk right from the gut. And, and you know, I always talk about all the dings, dents, and scars I got in my life and all the, what I used to consider, and because my self-talk was brutal, the dumbest stuff I ever did, the worst decisions I ever made that I used to feel bad about and punish myself for. I go, holy crap, people pay me to to tell them those stories now. That's a that's a good thing. We're authentic and genuine. Let me tell you something. A um, couple of things here. I've got the best methodology for decision-making ever. Right. And we want to get to that in a bit. We can do that. It's exceptional. World class, like genuinely. If it was one thing that you said, hey, Brad, I've, you've got one minute left on this planet. Can you give me some advice that'll serve me for that? I have the one minute ready for us. So whenever you're ready for that. Um, you know, a mistake is only a mistake after the event. No one, including me, wakes up and says, you know, what? I'm going to fuck up today. But occasionally I do. And this is the thing is that there's no correlation between time spent on a decision hmm, and it being correct. So consequently, you have to make decisions. And this is what I've got right now. This is my uh, Better Decisions Faster. Now what? Which is my fourth book. So I have this and I live by that. And if I'm ever going to make a dumb decision, (laughs) I do that and say, okay, do you really want to do a dumb decision? And it kind of jolts me and wakes me up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've got a saying I share with people. I say, look, that which doesn't kill me gives me a hell of a story to share on stage, you know, and, and speakers know that. I mean, you know, and I joke and I say, look, if there's two speakers on a plane and it crashes, trust me, before we're done cartwheeling through the cornfield, I'm going to be running down that wing looking for a news crew to claim the story of that crash. So I can do it authentically and not have to say, you know, when I climbed Mount Everest or when I won the national, nope. Dave, I think this is the thing with all this caper is that I, when I speak, I go, um, you know what, I've never... I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I've never been on the Great Wall of China with the Pakamakana unicycle. I've done none of these things. But what I've done is I've turned my life around. I am a bum from Salford, Manchester, which is a rough old town. I'm a bum. No qualifications, addicted to drugs twice, you know, four years on benefits, deliver pizza at 31. Yet I turned myself around to create a multi-million pound national organization. How did I do that? And actually, if I can do it, surely anyone can do it. And that's what I mean is that, you know, there is got to be a nation of people that self-belief is the thing that holds them back. And if you could take my my, my self-belief and put a USB cable into your head, not yours, Steve, because you're well there. But, you know, for the vast majority of people, this is the thing that is lacking, self-belief. And if you can get that. And when I started my business off, let me be under no illusions, misguided (laughs) self-belief, misguided self-belief. That's what I started off with, because no common sense, anyone with a brain like my wife, was quite clear that this is this is this is a suicide mission. This is a fool's errand for the vast majority of people. But I kept going and I never lost sight of my destination, which was there was no plan B. I had to make this work. Yeah, burn the boats, and I've done that a couple times in my life. Well, with the pandemic, my boats got burned for me, and then I had to figure out how to you know work after that. What was your business? But, what was your business? Uh, uh, well, speaking, and also owned a DJ business, DJing corporate events and weddings for almost thirty years. And all of a sudden, on March fourteenth, twenty twenty. My agent called and said, yeah, uh, everything's been canceled for at least the next seven months. So in, in I wasn't even I wasn't doing virtual events at the time either. So all my speaking schedule, all of a sudden, gone. <laughs> so even recently. So and the reason I'm saying this is because you and I 
we're, we're like a phoenix rising from the ashes of whatever happens to our lives. And one of my stage stories is called Some Days Your Phoenix Rides a Pogo Stick, meaning you don't just rise out of the ashes once and you're set for life. You fall back in, you make decisions, the world changes. But people mm-hmm. like you and I just keep going back into the ashes, burn our tail feathers off, look back, see a naked bum and go, well, okay, those are going to grow back nice. But for now, I'm going to get my ass out of this fire. You know, <laughs> well, you something else. I, look, I look at it and I think, you know, am I going to die <laughs> with this decision? Am I going to die? No. I'll tell you what was interesting. If I look back at getting shot at back in 21, I was 21. <clears throat> what that's been really quite good at doing is expanding my fear levels so what i mean by that is it's like normal like i call my, my wife has like a panic needle on a scale of one to ten she starts panicking at three i'm like a seven or eight right so i've got to deal with five points of her panicking when i'm not so you know so so but what's happened is i believe that what's happened as a result of what happened when i was a young man i think that's expanded my ability to deal with pressure and to deal with things because you know i don't care what problems you've got going on in your life or your world is it would it be worse or better with a pair of bullets through your window? And that's a really interesting way to kind of recalibrate anything that you've got going on. I was talking to someone the other day who's struggling right now in life and business, and I said, Look, I said, I get it, but let me just put this in perspective. If you think you've got problems, try having all your problems and living in the Ukraine and having the Russians bearing down on you. So, you know, I get it, and that's not to take away from your thingy, but there will be someone who also has the same problems in the Ukraine that would quite happily swap your position, right? And that perspective is is so huge. In in a world of social media, in the news, the headlines, I mean, I was in the media for 10 years. I was on the radio. I know what the media is doing. The media is trying to scare the hell out of us and get us to not believe in ourselves and get us to believe that someone's going to come and rescue us. Steve? I um I stopped watching the news two years ago, and this is the first time I can honestly tell you something changed in me, and I stopped watching the news. I've watched a total in the last two years of ninety minutes of news: the Queen dying, Boris Johnson getting binned, and something else. So I've watched ninety minutes. Um, prior to that, I would be listening to the news, the radio, rolling news, probably four hours a day on average. And actually, I realised something: I would rather be uninformed and happy than informed and miserable. Yes. And that was a you know, f- fundamental change for me. Yep. You know, I asked, I said to someone the other day, I said, why are you listening to the news? Well, I'd like to keep informed. I said, okay, so let's say, for instance, there was a, a, an orphanage bombed over in Ukraine. How did you know in that? How has that helped enhance you, your world? And that doesn't mean I don't care about these things. It means I can't impact. And if you think about how big my world is, my world, forgive me, uh, if you think about my world, how big my world is, is it's it's where I take my brain and where I, where I live in within that. And actually, if I choose not to go and, lift over stones where there's all sorts of terrible things there. It doesn't mean I don't care. I want terrible things to happen. It means I can't affect. And I will only get involved with things that I can impact. I will only get involved with things that I can impact. Only. That's it. Yeah. And my family and I started a a nonprofit. You know, my mom, when we were kids, she said, someday I want to buy a building and put homeless veterans in and let them rehab it and live there for free and grow a garden Mm -hmm. and be educated and, and help with their addiction and mental health and all that. Well, You know, it was a dream when we were kids. Well, about 12 years ago, my mom found a local place, small, Mm -hmm. tiny place, was actually doing that as as well as they could. And we've been helping them ever since. And we started our own little nonprofit kindness mission. It became an official nonprofit two and a half years ago so that we could ask people for donations, which they've been very generous with. But so many people think they've got to travel halfway around the world to make a difference in in a day and all that. And oh my gosh, I was at this place yesterday. With uh, I fired up the smoker and the barbecue grill over the weekend. I made them 50 smoked meatballs and 
10 jumbo chicken wings, brought those over yesterday along with little supplies they needed. And they said, oh my gosh, this place never smells better than when you're here. When are you coming back again? <laughs> I'm not helping homelessness. I'm just bringing a little joy in my own little way with something I'm very passionate about doing, which is grilling, barbecuing, and giving. You and I wish more people got that. Well, that line you just said then, which is you don't have to travel the world to make a difference or halfway around the world, beautiful. And this is what, you know, I... I've started doing this more and more and often. If I see a homeless person, I will, I will buy them something or I will give them some cash or whatever it be. And it's like somebody said, oh, well, they might spend it on drugs. So, and what I mean by that is that's their life and it's their choices. And actually, if you was cold in the streets, then guess what? Maybe you'd spend it on drugs as well. And this is the bit with life is that, you know, anyone that I ever come across who's homeless or, or down on, on, on their look, that could be me, that could be you. You know, that's the reality of it. And it's just decisions or family unit that has allowed me to maintain because there's been times in my life when I've lost my way. And actually, if it didn't have a strong family unit and people that I could rely on, I might have lost my way, completely lost my way, you know? Yeah. Oh, I could have lost mine easily 20 years ago. I quit my radio career without a full-time job because I just burned out. My first mm -hmm. marriage fell apart. And uh, age 35, I was $62,000 in debt and had to move back in with family. Right. And all that changed one afternoon when I had three bucks in my pocket and I went and just beat the crap out of a bucket of golf balls at a driving range under power lines, barefoot in the wet grass in a thunderstorm and dared the lightning to hit me in the next day. <laughs> Cause I'm like, this sucks. Go ahead. I dare you. The next day I was working with a brand new life coach. I was his first client and he asked, how was your week? And I, and I said, well, here's the stupid thing I did yesterday. And when he stopped laughing, he asked, have you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian? I think you'd be great at both. He didn't know that when I was 11 years old, I wanted to be a radio DJ, an author of my own books, a stand-up comedian, and a teacher of people. Wild. Tick, 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 tick. Yep. Lowest point in that moment. And I, I guarantee, Brad, there are people in your speaking audiences that you get to be the hero for. And I know you and I don't do this to say we're heroes. We're just, we do what we love. We do what we're good at. We take our passions and our gifts and we deliver. But I, I am, guarantee let, there's people sitting in the shadows or way in the back row who are like, wow. let, 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 me show, let me show you something. I got, um, sure. I got a message the other day, which is just beautiful. And this is, you know, I get these probably real terms twice a week. Okay. Um, I'm just going to see if it'll open up. There we go. Wow. Hey, this is Steve. For those listening to the audio version of this podcast, Brad is sharing an amazing testimonial that he received from an attendee who was impacted by his message. Back to the show. I love those no, I mean to me are bigger and better than the speaker fees that we get. I get it. <laughs> You know, I get it. And this is the beautiful thing is that I'm out there making a difference. And I look at it and I think I'm just a bump. And yet somewhere along the way, I turned my life around. And the first person I had to convince of my brilliance was me. And by convincing myself of brilliance, it allowed me to help other people find their brilliance, to find their better version of themselves. And it's, um, you know, I don't have a degree in psychology, but anyone who's got a degree has had it made up by someone who's clever. <laughs> a degree is just made up by someone clever. Well, guess what? I'm making my own degree up. That's the reality of it. You know, I've got my own Brad Burton degree uh, in, in psychology and pop psychology, but I, I'm, I'm living proof that, I, you know, this is not a fluke. I do that day in, day out with my clients. And when I speak, on, 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 I've got a really good way of getting to the nub of problems. I don't fuck about. I don't listen to excuses. 
unless people want to say, is that an excuse? And they go, oh, yeah, I suppose it is. Well, that's fine. Do you want to have an excuse or do you want a solution? So, yeah, this has been a really interesting time for me. And, and I wouldn't change a single thing. If you if I consider the worst day of my life getting shot at, um, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I would never have moved away 200 miles away. I've never met my wife. I've never started a business. There'd be no phone networking. There'd be no, oh, boom. All because of something so terrible that happened in 1995. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so many people, you know, even now I get asked, because I do coaching, I created a program called Vision Board Mastery because visualization and vision boards, everybody thinks it's an arts and crafts project. So I dove deep. Everything I did from 2003 to 2010 to put my life back together, I took a lot of notes. And then somebody said one day, it'd be great if you could teach that. I went, ah, see, the world lets us know what it needs. So I created a program. And people say, well, Steve, what qualifies you to do that? Well, I finally got sick and tired of the snottiness and the smart-ass comments. So I've got a little chalkboard on the other side of the wall here in the recording studio. So one day I just took out the chalk and I wrote, this guy lived it. And I drew an arrow and I put my head at the front of the arrow and took a selfie and sent it to them. This is my qualification and certification right there. I freaking survived it. You know, if you can do the job, you're qualified. And this is the reality that I talk about this is that there's no motivational speaker degrees. And if there was, I wouldn't go for one. And I tell you this, but equally, you know, from a qualification perspective, if you're a brain surgeon or a pilot, you need qualifications. If you're living as you are and doing what you're doing and doing what I'm doing, you don't need qualifications. You need to be able to do and back up what you say you can. That's the reality of it. Yeah. It, what's what's your favorite part of of you know being a speaker, author, whatever part of it you want to talk about? And I love to ask speakers this because the answers are always different. And you may have actually already shared it by showing me the note that you received for somebody. But what's what's your favorite part of all this? Like what makes you smile the most if you wake up at three in the morning just thinking of what you get to do for a living? You know, I am um, every time that I come out of a speaking gig, I'm expecting the police to be arresting me with armed police because you know it, it doesn't make any sense that I'm getting paid to to do this. I've got the best, second best job in the world uh, behind lap dance tester. Um, but you know, the 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 thing is, with it is about making a positive difference. Is about making a positive difference. But I do love going into a room full of strangers and they're thinking, "Go on, then, baldy, motivate me." I love that. I love going into a room full of strangers who kind of don't want to be there. And I had to I had to work real fast to make them want to be there, and that to me is great because you get challenged. You know, you are going into sometimes into a lose situation, and you've got to turn that around. And um, and that that that's you know experience. I've spoke over two thousand times in public. That has allowed me that latitude. And don't get me wrong, I must have died one hundred times. Like died, died, as in like died, as in oh my god, this is embarrassing. He's got another twenty minutes. He's dead. You know, yeah. I've not died, died for like five years now. But I had to die, die, die in order to get to a point where I don't die, die, die anymore. I don't yeah. lose my way. Um, but that's about, I think, I think that's what the answer to that question is that, you know, making a positive difference. I love it. That's great. Yeah. And I love the names of your book. You know, you mentioned Get Off Your Ass. Um, mm. it, it was so successful or it left so many unanswered questions. Your second book was called Get Off Your Ass 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, get off your ass to T-O-O-O. Uh, life, business just got easier. And my fourth book, 2016. Now what? Seven years ago. I've got book five half written on here. But, and this is the thing, it's all over the show. And actually, I'm not sure because my life has changed. <laughs> Beyond the illusions, three years ago, I was Mr. Networking in the UK. You know, thousands of group a year. Thousands. And now I'm not. So my identity was wrapped up in that. And what's great is that 
I've had to let go of that identity about who I once was. And I say this, if I go and put a, a red hot coal in your hand, you'd let go of it. But what happens is people holding on to the past. Uh, well, I used to run a network and I, and I thought, I'm not going to go and do that again. I could do it in half the time that I did it. Why? Mountaineers don't stay at the top of mountains. They come back down and go to a different mountain. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, another challenge for the past couple of years, and I love that you just mentioned climbing mountains. You know, we had the pandemic. And, and so many people just gave up and stopped or they just wherever they were, they walked back to the bottom of the mountain waiting for it to be clear again or OK to climb mm-hmm. again. And I I share on stage. I said, look, all the pandemic was is a big clump of trees that fell across that path. Now, here's the thing. If they fell over, you know, the trees have roots and you know they have treetops. So if you walk far enough to the left or to the right, you're going to find yeah. a way around it or you can climb over or you can dig under, do whatever you want to do. What you're probably going to find, though, is you're going to find yourself on a different trail with some different people who might be really cool to climb with, who've already been to the top and they can guide you through it. So stop just giving up and waiting for situations to be right. You know, I'm I actually I I feel I became a better speaker through the pandemic because instead of being on a stage, engaging with people, catching eyeballs, I sat here and I always wear pants. Not everybody does. But I sat here and I talked to a little tiny camera lens all around the world. And when I finally did get to get back on stage, oh, I loved it even more. You know, I, I better I like connected, that. I felt. I was like Stevie Wonder when I first started on Zoom. I couldn't look in the lens. I thought I'd get my soul stolen. Yep. You know, and um, you know, it's funny now because actually over the years I've managed to, to be able to stare directly down the lens, which is cool. But yeah, funny, you know, so once again, skills is again, but it was three years ago. I wasn't used to speaking to camera in any way or form. And let me be quite clear. 4K cameras, lights, and spit, you know, everything's all been set up. How cool is that? That I'm over in Somerset in, in, in the UK, you're over in the States, and we're talking like for this is like mind blowing. So, this is what I think the opportunity that's allowed is that international networking in a way that has never happened before. So, everything happens at a reason, even the shitty stuff. And sometimes it just takes three years post pandemic for it to make sense. Yeah. So what's next for you, Brad? I know you said you've got book number five about half written now, but you know, the world's changed. Things are different. What's, what's the next mountain for you? I guess, is it, is it continuing to speak and work with people or is, is there another shift somewhere in your future that. So so, so I do something called life maker, which is effectively it's, I'm a big computer gamer. And when you play a computer game, if you can't get past the level, you have to go and level up. You have to go and get, bigger weapons, you have to come up with a different strategy to be able to get the beast or through the level. Life is the biggest computer game known to man. And yet, you know, we don't play it as such. We play it cautiously. So I've changed it and I've, I've gamified uh, utilising something. I've gamified something called Life Maker. And Life Maker is, um, is, is how I live my life. Here we go. I'm going to show you something now, top secret. Um, so I did Life Maker. And I also do teammaker.pro. That is life maker. So that's like the heads up display for every individual. And when I do that and I sit down with somebody and they fill this in, I know exactly where they are. Exactly. So so life maker and teammaker.pro. I do a lot of um team building over in the UK, well, and in Europe. And also I um I mentor people as well. So on a one-to-one basis, you know, and I my mentoring sessions are really hardcore like really hardcore. I don't mess about. I, I'm like a drill drill sergeant um, in a positive way. I never I never break anyone. I get them close to the wire though, intentionally. <laughs> nice. So with all this going on, Brad, how can people get a hold of you? How can people learn more about you? Check out your videos. I absolutely love your video, which the one that's on your website, by the way, which is why we're here having this conversation because I just said, I've got to talk to this guy. He's a, very so, so similar to me. 
Yeah, yeah, I get that. You've got hair though. Uh, work with Brad.biz. Just check out work with Brad.biz. And I'd love to connect you with you guys and girls on LinkedIn and socials, but LinkedIn's my primary uh, social network now. I kind of fell away with all the rest of them. So I'd love to connect with you guys and girls. Awesome. Brad, thank you so much for being a part of the show. If you could impart one final quick lesson for somebody today that might be struggling, might be sitting in that back corner of the room, might be staring at their old selves or giving the finger to the person in their mirror, what would you impart to them? How can you get them to... Yeah. So I've got two things for you. Let me give you the first one. The first one is this. If you can live with the downside of any decision, you should go for it. So whenever you're making a decision, think about the best case, think about the worst case, think about the most likely case. If you can live with the worst case of a decision, go for it. Because you don't know until you until you go for it. I mentioned before about the decision-making process. <clears throat> and this is something that Bentley Global use. Bentley Global, you know, Bentley. And the reason that Bentley Global use it is that I taught it them, okay? Me, Brad Burton, the former drug addict, the guy who got shot, sorry, not that one, the other one, right? Um, when it comes to making decisions, I'm the easiest person in the world to, to, to sell to. You guys came through, and I make a decision in 24 seconds. If I can't make a decision in 24 seconds, I revisit it in 24 minutes. If I can't make a decision in 24 minutes, I revisit it in 24 hours. If after 24 hours, I can't make a decision, I've just made a decision, it's not important, next and I move on. 24, 24, 24, you will change your entire worldview by making decisions because where we go wrong in our life is we hold on, oh, I'm not sure what to do, and you just keep revisiting and you get into circular thought and you never get off. At some point, you have to make a decision or decide not to make a decision. 24, 24, 24, changes everything. Love it. That is powerful. There's a few decisions I've got coming down the road, so I'm going to, okay, 24, 24. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to put that one into uh, into motion myself. Appreciate that very much. So Brad, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Delighted, friend. I really am. It's lovely, like I say, that special relationship endures. I just wish the UK and US were closer. I really do like the good old days. Maybe we can get there. But we've started the roll the, the ball off today with this old conversation. So love it. Looking forward to connecting again. Thank you, Steve. All the best, people. Cheers. Thank you for listening. For more information on how you can create a more vivid, focused future with the Vision Board Mastery Program, or to invite Steve to be part of your next event, please visit stevegamlin.com.